When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Good afternoon, world. This is Madam Adams, Madam Cindy Adams from the New York Post. I presume you read me in the New York Post. I would be very upset if you didn't. I have been there since before Alexander Hamilton founded it. They say that Benjamin Franklin was the first columnist in the United States. I think he's wrong. I think maybe it was me. Anyway, I am about to burble onward and tell you a few things. First of all, do you know about George Santos? George Santos was elected Congress from a certain area in Long Island, New York. He has since been indicted for a series of not nice things. And yet, although he's under indictment, he is now trying to schlep back and become a congressman and get re-elected. How this could happen in our government, how this could happen in our country. We've got a president who's got a problem. We've got other people who have problems. And we elected a congressman who was under indictment and now wants to get re-elected. So let me tell you about him. George Santos is attempting to mount a campaign for re-election. He's in the third district. He is about as popular as a cockroach on a wedding cake. And he is attempting to have a fundraiser, but he is unable to find a place which will lease or give him space, possibly just give him spit, but nothing else. He also presents a problem for those of us who live near or in his geographical domain. In order to be accepted as a student at West Point, you have to be sponsored by your local member of Congress. Not any congressman, but only the one who represents your district. The parents of students who seek admission for their children to West Point tell their kids to forget about it under no circumstances Will they ask Santos for his sponsorship? He is a roach. Okay. Our Declaration of Independence, the most magnificent document ever written. Maybe then that generation's King George, we've got a King George now, but back in those days, King George's reaction to it would have been, Ah, so else is new. What else is new? That was after the year of the bloody battle of Bunker Hill. His Majesty then only declared that bloody battle. The colonies are in rebellion. Yeah, wow. It must be what all kings named George say. Even the current version's take on Megan's temp. Prince Puny, now back into the new world. With Biden, a possible influence peddling, 
our country's tis of not him. Not really what dudes like Jefferson and Washington thought we should do. What he has been into is like a not really nice habit. Conspiracy is if two or more plan an illegal act and they take steps to bring that to fruition. Lying could jeopardize one's freedom. Furtherance means criminal conspiracy. Meantime, there's a crackhead hunter, and there's a dime bag that was found in the Capitol, and it contained bad things. Now, if you've ever been to the Capitol, if you've ever been to the White House, and I have, you are so inspected they have looked in everything but your actual drawers. There is nothing, nothing they would overlook except possible morals. President Banker Biden, the shredded FBI, plus Kamala, who still thinks she's heading the Red Cross. Those are the people running our government, and nobody can find who brought a bag of junk into the White House? Oh, wow, what a surprise. Fear that the progressives are taking over is taking over us. They're calling ours a weak banana republic. Stuff like that smells like American Marxism. A downward spiral helps them. Listen, I am an American. I love my country. I will fight for my country no matter what, and I will not let it go down without screaming and shouting. And TV anchors who repeat the same stuff about the progressives, it, that's like rearranging furniture on the Titanic. Go back to our military hero, Benedict Arnold of a thousand years ago. In those days... He was the commander at West Point, and he rightly possessed a map of its fortifications. He sort of sold that to a British spy for $20,000. He was branded a traitor. The spy didn't have a good life. He, I think, got hung or something. And what happened to Benedict Arnold was also not really good. All of that for selling one document which never was acted on. Okay, so I'll now go to some other miseries. Seeing Princess Kate schlepping an Hermes clutch, Megan, nobody Markle, now itches to be the face or behind, I wouldn't say ass because that would be rude, but the behind of a luxury clothing company, that's her latest idea. First, she wanted to be president. she That's what she said. Now she's willing to go for a luxury clothing company. So I ask you, who would you rather wear your brand? England's future queen, Princess Kate, or California's permanent zero? Now I think I want to pee on Florida. Everybody over the age of 11 has gone to Florida that's where the late dinner is 2.15 in the afternoon. Florida's 
6% inflation rate now doubles the national average. People can't get mortgages. It requires homeowner insurance, and several such companies have exited the state, which can provide that at a prohibitive cost. Plus, the rich folk now fight over diminished housing supply. The alligator country is becoming unaffordable. Those rich folk people who don't need a mortgage are fighting over a diminished housing supply. They are driving up housing costs and making Florida the least affordable place to live in the U.S. If you already have a mortgage and want home insurance, the state will now provide it, but at a prohibitive cost. Most Florida residents are simply praying there is no hurricane season or that DeSantis gets lost in an Iowa cornfield. I'm going on. I'm going on. I forgot what I'm going on, but I know I'm going on. I would like to say, although this has no bearing, but it just occurred to me, if Biden has glommed onto a few extra bucks and he's wealthy, as they say in Delaware, why is it that his wife wears such terrible schmatas? She wears the same dress more than once, and it's always the stuff they used to wear in the 1940s, big wide skirts with painted flowers on it. If she's got that much money, why doesn't she wear something decent or borrow what Melania has? I am going onward. I am going on. You can you can get rid of me at any time if you want to, but it's a mistake because I do have something decent to say once once in a while. Meanwhile, let's all eat, drink, and be merry because by tomorrow, all of that <laughs> may may no longer be deductible. With talks on now between Israel and Gaza. Rules are the following cannot be brought into Jerusalem's Western Wall complex. Sharp tools, including those of an efficient at a bris, balloons or pyrotechnics, musical instruments, alcohol, doves to be released. I don't know why anybody would bring doves, but if they do, they can't any longer. Equipment for event production, any kind of signage, animals other than guide dogs, and the shofar, except during specific holidays. I am marching on. I am allowed to speak until it's time for me to go to a station break. So don't get rid of me because I'm going to burble on. Just read that a 3.5 million year old skull was just discovered in southern Africa. It suggests an earlier species of human development than primitive man. Archaeologists agree. They see no other way to explain <laughs> our current president. Onward, onward, onward. A chorus exists pestering Congress to expand the number of justices and circumvent the poisonous five. That might 
sign a death warrant for the Supreme Court. A subsequent Republican administration could then do the same, and on and on and on. The Supremes could or would cease to function because every citizen over 18 could be on the court, so there'd be no one left to argue cases. I'm just saying, I've been away for a while, I've been vacationing, and so I'm all full with America. So stay with me. I take no sides. My side is the United States of America. I only ask that, since Washington's too busy to do everything actually for the people, like on poverty, lawlessness, homelessness, immigration, coronavirus, and all the rest of it, climate change, prison reform, infrastructure, jobs, the useless presidency, and vice presidency. So, at D.C.'s Oath Keepers, are they too busy to handle Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, and Jim Biden, and any other Biden we may have? I have a lot more I want to say, but I think maybe it's time you could go get a sandwich or something. So I'm going to let you go get a sandwich, come back to me, and then we will go on to other things where I will do some wonderful interviews. Back in a minute. The Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. I am now about to speak to Art Garfunkel, Jr., We know the name, we know Art Funkel Sr., and this is his son, who's as smart as they come and probably starting to be almost as successful. And I spoke to him just the other day. Okay, okay, okay. So you're going to tell us, you're going to be speaking Monday at at the City Winery. Tell us about that. Yes, that's right, Cindy. uh, I've got my debut show, or almost debut show. It's called Art Garfunkel Jr. Songs of My Father, premiering um, on Monday, July 31st at the uh, City City Winery, which is uh, Pier 57 Hudson River Park on 11th Avenue at 8 p.m. And I'm going to be singing all the beloved hits from uh, from Simon and Garfunkel and a a couple lovely songs from my father's solo career as well. A few, a few other, a few other gems that I personally love. It's going to be an exciting evening. I'm looking forward to it. Oh, okay, when did you begin singing? Don't tell me. I mean, I heard that at age two. I can't believe you could sing at age two. Nobody can speak at age two. When did you become singing? Begin singing? Yeah, that's that's actually uh, really the truth. Somewhere, somewhere, somewhere between age two and age three, I um, released my. F- first lovely notes, I was uh, brought at a very young age on the stage by my father and mother and appeared very early on, I believe, in Japan and uh, different places in America and started singing the little part of a uh, little part of the song 59th Street Bridge Feeling Groovy and built it up from there. So, uh, so I really have been singing absolutely all my life. Okay, so you never actually took lessons. How did you learn how to do this? How did you learn how to sing or be on stage at age two? Well, at age at age two or two and a half, nobody nobody learns. Uh, you know, it comes organically, learning by doing. 
there I was on stage, um, and I, I guess like most young children, tried my best to imitate uh, my father and mother and their singing, and uh, just continued my whole life to expose myself to, to the stage and the craft, and learned, learned that way, plus, plus, I suppose, a certain component of, of, uh, of, of what I inherited, an inherited ability to sing. So oh, okay. it served me well. What about when you you went to sc- you went to school in New York City, didn't you? The the Upper East Side. That's right. I went to a uh, school called uh, Rudolf Steiner School on the Upper East Side, and um, they knew about who you were and who your father is. They did. Yeah, it's, it, it wasn't uh, it wasn't it wasn't worth hiding, uh, nor was it possible to hide, and uh, and that. Uh, Lovely fact, uh, being my father's son has has always blessed me every day of my entire life. So I was I'm very proud of of his legacy, and uh, it was nice going to school in my neighborhood where I was born, grew up, and uh, managed to actually learn learn German, the German language, because Rudolf Steiner, uh, the, the founder of the school, was from Germany. So I, I speak that language fluently as well. But you live in Germany. Why do you live in Germany? I actually moved at the end of 16, at the end of age 16 to Berlin and have uh, resided there ever since because um, you know, I always had a connection to the, to the language. I was learning it in school. Um, I've always had a tremendous uh, desire to see the world. I think we say in German, Wanderlust, uh, a desire to wander. And... Um, I had this connection to Germany. My father uh, has always been very appreciated there, and we we toured Germany very frequently as I, uh, when I was a, a small child, and I had friends and connections there and learned the language. Uh, it just seemed like a natural choice. And uh, to this day, I, I travel all around the world. I'm in New York to see my family and friends every you know every month and a half or whatever. So. Uh, it's a decision I don't regret. I like okay, okay, lot. okay. So there, there are so many things that are strange, that are odd, like sting, singing at age two, and and that you're. Well, I, first... I don't think that's odd. You know, by the time you're by the time you're two and a half or somewhere between two and three, you can utter your first notes and words. And oh, please! And at age two and a half, I was falling on my behind. What did I well, know? We're all different, I suppose. But I'd like okay. Your behind is better than mine. So tell me about <laughs> tell me about your first language. It was Yiddish. That's another oddity. No, no, my, my first language was 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 English. But I was exposed. Uh, I was exposed through my grandparents uh, to Yiddish, and uh, like like many other New Yorkers, many fellow New Yorkers, um, just living, just just growing up in the city, you have. You have, you know, you're exposed to to the 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 the, the, the basic hundred, two hundred words of Yiddish, and uh, and my grandmother, my dad's mother, did have a command of the German language as well. Uh, not only Yiddish, Yiddish was her first language. That's correct of my grandparents, and but she also she also understood and spoke High German, so uh, that 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 influenced me on, on on my road to learning German as well. You know. Okay, how different is your voice? From your father's, how different is my voice from my father's? Uh, it's different. We have we have a different uh, timbre. My voice is a, a tad bit higher. Um, the 
our, our sound is, 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 is slightly different, um, but in the, in the big scheme of things, I would say, I would say there's a lot of similarities. Uh, my father has one of the, in my personal opinion, one of the most beautiful, legendary male um, tenor voices of all time. And um, I love to listen to his music. Or when he comes over or I come over to his place and he, he blesses me with his, with his voice there. You know, we love to sing together. But I'd say the big picture, we're, we're pretty similar, our voices. So why don't you sing something now? Can you sing anything? Is there any song or a April, come she will, when streams are ripe and swelled with rain, may she will stay. (laughs) That's pretty good. Thank God you're not a dancer. I wouldn't know what to ask you. (laughs) Oh, I know, I know. Yeah, I love April Come She Will. It's one of the most beautiful Salmon and Garfunkel tunes. Did you ever take any actual professional voice lessons? I never took any actual professional voice lessons. No, I did not. (laughs) I'm not against it. Okay, okay. Did you ever screw up on stage? I mean, you had your father with you, but when you were starting out, did you ever louse up anything? Uh, you know, you know, any performer who who works the craft professionally and has done as many shows as I have, uh, you have your moments, but uh, but there were there were always small small little things. In other words, um, sometimes during a show, if you got a lot of songs to sing or you're distracted, you might flip a verse. That means you know you might sing the second verse where the first verse should go. But I'm usually pretty quick, so if I make that mistake, I'll. I'll, I'll just sing, you know, I'll correct the order during the song and hopefully hopefully as few people as possible will notice. But out, but, but in terms of out and out, uh, just just not know what's going on, no, that's never happened to me. Thank God. Oh, not well, yet. okay. Not well, yet. <laughs> well, you've got a future. So tell me about art. Did you learn to protect your voice? In the old days, a long time ago, when I was married to a comedian who's now gone, Joey uh-huh. Adams, we used to put... He used to put a singer in the car when he was going to speak somewhere, if a singer was on the, on the show. And the singer always made sure he shut the window and he didn't put on air conditioning. And the singer was always a pain in the ass. So are you okay. that way? Are you, you, we can't put air near you, no air conditioning. It, it's completely and 100% true. There are three things that a singer, that, you know, three basic things that a singer needs to watch out for. Uh, before his show, like one or two days before the show or on the same day. The biggest enemy is air conditioning. So a little air conditioning is not bad. It can help you sleep. You know, it can help you stay cool. But you never want, just just as as he said, you never want a vent of blowing cold air uh, directed at your at your head or your throat. It's, um, it'll, it'll cause you quickly to be, to, to be hoarse. The second thing I... Uh, avoid on the day and days leading up to the show is uh, bare feet on cold tiles. So if you're going into, to, you know, to use the restrooms, uh, you always want to wear slippers so that you don't expose your feet to, 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 to cold, you know, cold surfaces. It's a, a good way for some reason to, to get a cold or to get a hoarse voice. And the last thing I'd say, which is not quite as important, you don't want to be yapping your head off on the day of the show. <laughs> <laughs> 
The day before, you can do it, no problem. On the day of the show, <laughs> minimize talking. There's your answer. <laughs> okay, don't worry about it. I'm not going to call you tomorrow. I'm just. What was oh, your name? What was your name at birth? Were you named Art Garfunkel Jr.? Well, my birth name was James Arthur Garfunkel. You know, James Art Garfunkel. And uh, since 2013, I've been just uh, Art Garfunkel Jr. So I don't use. Uh, don't use the James part anymore. As a matter of fact, it's it's not even on my passport anymore. I removed it. <laughs> What's on your passport now? Well, you know, I'm Art Garfunkel Jr. Okay. So where does Art Funk uh, Art? I'm I'm well, uh, my actually, actually to be to be perfectly uh, Arthur Garfunkel Jr. <laughs> okay. Okay. My teeth are not set set in my mouth, so I'm mumbling. I'm I'm getting the wrong oh. words out. Where do you go next? Sense. I know after you do your show a Monday night, you're on to something else. Where? What? That's right. That's right. Uh, I um, so the show's on Monday night. Then I have in the uh, middle of August a uh, beautiful show in in Austria on the Slovenian border with a uh, fabulous gospel group. They're called the Golden Voices of Gospel. I actually recorded a song, uh, When a Man Loves a Woman, uh, which I sang in German, by the way, with, with the gospel singers, and, um, and I had a great time doing that, and I'm right in the middle of finishing up my second studio album. I released my first album, um, which is called uh, Just Like You, trans- translated you know, into, in, into English from, from its original German title. And that album was a big hit in Germany, Austria, Switzerland, uh, which was a, a great a great thrill for me. So I'm following that up. So I have a lot on my plate right now. How different are your voices, yours and your father's? Well, I encourage I encourage anybody who wants to find that out to come on uh, Monday night to the winery and hear me sing. They're uh, they're pretty similar, I'd say. Is he going to be there? My father is going to be there. Yes. Is he going to sing with you? Well, that's the golden the golden question. Uh, I would guess yes, but I cannot guarantee it. But I okay. would imagine yes. Okay, honey. Okay, thank you, right. thank you. Give one more plug to your Monday night event. Thank you. 8 p.m. Monday night, July 31st, City Winery, 11th Avenue. Don't miss it. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy. You're welcome, sweetie. It was lovely to talk to you, honey. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. Okay, it is Madam Adams back from the break. Listen, I'm a New Yorker. I am sick of people telling me they're tired of New York and they're moving to Florida. Why? The people who are moving to Florida don't even have enough strength to go to Florida. They don't go in a Honda. They don't go in a Chevrolet. They go in a wheelchair. Everybody who's over the age of 11 is now moving to Florida. Let me tell you, enough with people schlepping to Florida. Florida began 1,400 years ago. Nobody younger has been there since. Those in the state now could have been original settlers. Their average age is deceased. It's not that I'm trying to be bitchy. I'm really quite a friendly person, but I'm sick of hearing about how great it is. Reports of how wonderful the place is start mouthing the minute transplants leave the jet blue restroom. It's got beaches, 
sand, sky, ocean, warmth, hurricanes, and it's got also crocodiles. Also, it's got palms, palm trees, big mazeltov. It's got palm trees. They're not leafy. They're ones that provide shade for juniors, outstretched ones that provide service for seniors. These palms have specific assignments, like driving Madam's car by day. Those palms are outstretched. They're different kinds of palms. And by night, these palms just simply are driving Madam, even without the cars. That's what's going on in antique Florida. Me, I'm a New Yorker, born, bred, educated, schooled, work in New York. Even my dog's a Yorkie. I would never leave, should, pardon the vulgarity, de Blasio and his mathematically enhanced ex-wife come back. I'd still be here. Those cheapo Dutchmen who bought the place a few hundred years ago, they didn't love this city more. Transplants to Florida first learned the word condo. It's the first learned word once they hit the age of 60. The next requirement is thinning blonde hair and fat sequins. It's book clubs, bridge clubs, garden clubs. It's art shows. It's tea, brunch, lunch, cocktails, drop-ins, manicures, coffees, cocktails, card games, shop openings. It's talks, it's lectures, it's fundraisers, it's finger food at my condo, cheese and crackers at yours. Oh, wow. And everybody there talks about how they used to be somebody. They all have green checked pants going to the golf course. This is what's in Florida. Mazel tov to anybody who's going there. The late dinner reservations are 5 p.m. By 7.15, restaurants are already resetting for prunes and oatmeal for the morning. The new transplants are busy. The gents are putting on, pulling on their green and white checked pants for golf, as I said. The ladies are doing Botox, doctor appointments, or hospital benefits. And the conversation always begins with, you know how cold it is in New York? Their friends up north, like me, have already gone on to that great big warehouse in the sky. I haven't gone on. Their friends have. So there's no longer jobs to go to. There are no longer friends to see. With Social Security comes no appointments to keep, no assistance to harangue, no bosses to placate, no calls to return, no deals to make. Florida is the used-to-be's heavy-duty BS. Forget Mother Nature. We're talking Father Time. Talk as how VIP they once were. That's the conversation, how big they used to be. The question is, how often can you discuss your favorite actress, Lana Turner? 
I mean, come on. The big draw is manufactured social life. I know I've been there. I know what Miami is. I've been there years and years ago. But right now what it is is it's sequins, beads, bright colors, fringe, jewelry, big flowers, big hair, big BS. Everyone's saying how important they used to be. The next most prolific item, hearing aids. Florida restaurants come with whirring fans, plus broiled fish, no gravy, no dressing, no fried, no salt, but not acoustic ceilings. They can't even hear themselves tell the waiter, please, no salt. Everyone there shouts. Nobody hears. In Palm Beach, you read collagen lips. Senior seniors shout to make themselves heard. Dinner is the big thing. The one late night event after 5 p.m. Dinner is always 4.35 p.m. Always early because bedtime is 6. It's all social tables of 10 people shouting. They all come with friends. They may be sitting in Coral Gables, but you can hear them in Forest Hills. New York's grid is laid out. Avenues, streets. In our civilization, even migrants and vagrants find their way. In Florida, not. Not. This state has cutesy, cutesy towns like Apalachicola, Okahakaponka, Chattahoochee. Go meet somebody. Lots of luck. Nobody can find anybody anywhere. And why am I writing this? Because I want them all to shut up about knocking New York. I am now going to take a breath, and then I'm going to come back in a second. A name you know who's in the know. It's the Cindy Adams Show, 77 WABC. I am now about to speak to Michael Tucker. You remember seeing him as I do when he was getting all the awards on L.A. Law. He's doing so many things. He's also married to Jill Eikenberry, but he's doing a lot. He's writing books. He's writing plays. What are you doing? What What is it? You're doing a play right now. You're writing a play. I Tell have me. written a play. I've written, I've written seven plays, actually, but this play... Uh, is called A Tailor Near Me. And we had our first audience last night, our first preview. We're uh, at the New Jersey Repertory Company in Long Branch, New Jersey. I've got a brilliant cast. It's two guys. It's Jim Pickens, uh, uh, who was, has been on Grey's Anatomy and many, many things. And uh, Richard Kind, the wonderful Richard Kind. Yeah, Kine. I know and him, the two, yeah. The two of them. The two of them uh, just uh, had had a ball last night with the audience, and they with them. So I I was a happy playwright. Okay, tell me first of all, how do you start to get an idea to write a play? I don't know how to write a play. Well, I I don't either really, but yeah, <laughs> you know, okay. This this, this one, uh, you know, I I had a friend who who was dying. He had a bad cancer, and I knew he was dying, and I. Uh, uh, was kind of waiting for the news, and and I I realized that the one suit that I owned uh, didn't fit me anymore. I couldn't button the pants, and so I called a tailor. I looked in 
in Google, and I Googled a tailor near me. I live up in Connecticut. And I went to this guy, and that was the first glimmer of an idea, and that's how the play starts, is, uh, is that a man has a friend who's dying. He goes to a tailor. But then what develops is, is a relationship between the tailor and the man. That, uh, that is the whole play, really. And uh, uh, he first he you know he looks at the pants and he says yes I can fix these but then he sells him on uh, on letting uh, the man uh, have him design a, a bespoke suit for him and we actually watch that process throughout the play and the relationship and what happens between them changes both the men so okay how do you things. learn to write a play it's different than a book or anything else. It has yeah. to have a, a curtain at the end of Act One. It it yeah. needs certain things. How do you spike it to make it work? Well, I you know I'm lucky in that I had all those years uh, acting. Yeah, and so I I can hear the characters, and I I play all the characters when I'm writing it. And uh, actually, this is this is a line in the play because the guy is a writer in the play, and but he he says he says what I do is. I, I have these characters and I listen to their voices and they tell me the story. And that's that's pretty much the way I, I go about it. Okay. So where do you write? When I know some people who have written only in a dark room with one bulb. I know somebody else who writes only from twelve to five. Every writer has some sort of an oddity. Do you have any yeah. strange things about I have, you? I have many. I have many oddities. Oh, good. Yeah. Tell me. Tell me. Not tell just me. Tell about me. My writing. I just. Uh, just oddities. Uh, I. What I like to do. I get. I usually get up pretty early in the morning, um, and I. I put on a pot of coffee. I do uh, two crossword puzzles. I like really hard crossword puzzles. And by the end of the second crossword puzzle, my brain is has woken up and 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 is operating. And then and then I write. I, I write in the morning, and uh, and then all day. I mean, if I'm in the middle of a play, I, I I'm always writing. Uh, not not necessarily sitting at the desk, but like I, if I I go upstairs and I take a shower. And suddenly in the middle of the shower, aha, that's the line. That's the line. And I run, you know, downstairs dripping wet and I make notes. And it, 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 you, when you're writing, you, you're really writing all the time. Okay. So if Before you're I, doing crossword puzzles, what's a three-toed sloth? A three-toed sloth is a crossword clue. Now, what is it? I don't know. What is it? AI. You know? AI? Yeah. So, I mean, You're I do crossword puzzles, too. I even have a crossword puzzle dictionary. Do you? And no, I cheat. No. Well, I've heard that about you. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, you rat? Do you cheat, too? I cheat occasionally, yeah. Uh, but only with only on crossword puzzles. So what different muscles are needed for you've got – you've been in theater, you've been in TV, you've been in everything – but what different muscles are needed for each? You don't do the same kind of work and all. It's very, and all the... very different. I mean, the, you know, the most different thing, last night and all day yesterday waiting for this first performance in front of an audience, if I were an actor in the play, you know, I'd be tied up all day and all this adrenaline running through my body and, and all the tension and nerves and stage fright and all that. The playwright's work is done. All I had to do last night was go and sit down and watch the play. Uh, so it's really a completely different profession. 
But it's not, it's not that way. Supposing you're doing it and there's a part that's not working. While you're oh. sitting there as the playwright, you realize yeah. you have to sharpen that or you have to yeah. change something. Isn't that so? Well, well, yeah, there's a, there's a, a way to do it. I, I, at a certain point, I don't talk to the actors anymore. I, I, if I have something like that, I'll talk to the director and he'll talk to the actors. Um, I was in rehearsals for the first three weeks, every, every minute. And everything that I had to say about the play, I, I said to them at one time or another during those three weeks. And then I said, I am leaving you. I'm giving the play to you. I'll be back in a week and a half to see the first performance and uh, take the play from me. Because the, the actors are the people who bring the play to the audience. They have to fly. Not me at that point. You know, they they have to take the play. And okay. They did how that. did you meet? How did you meet Jill Eikenberry in the first place? Uh, we were both working at a theater in Washington D.C. Uh, called the Arena Stage, which was a very famous uh, regional theater, and uh, we met there, and um, it was gangbusters from the first minute. As a matter of fact. Uh, this it's about three weeks ago. No, maybe about a month ago. We celebrated our fiftieth wedding anniversary. Oh, what did you give her? I gave her a big kiss. No, we. Oh, I gave, please! I mean, I really? What else? What the chicken hawk? What did you give? What did you give? Oh, you haven't changed at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're we're thrilled with the hug, but what else did you give her? I, I gave her a big party, and we we had our party in in Italy. You know, we have that house in Italy, which we've had for twenty one years now, and we had our party there. And we flew our kids out, and their partners, and uh, our son actually announced uh, with his his girlfriend that they're getting married. That's the next big event in October. So it was, um, and we had about fifty people. Our, our daughter catered it. Uh, she's she's a professional chef and caterer so it was um it was a glorious party and 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 we made toasts to each other you know at the party and jill's toast which was a complete surprise to me because we we had hired a band you know a, a jazz band to play at the party and jill secretly went off to rehearse and she sang the first time ever i saw your face to me and i'm telling you there wasn't a dry eye in the house it was how did you start in the first place? I know how, how big you are, and I know you've got awards, and I know about L.A. Law, and I know a lot of stuff that you've done. But how did you start in the be- in the first place? In the, you know, I, well, I went to, to acting school. I went to drama school at Carnegie Tech, now called Carnegie Mellon, and that's, a, that's a, one of the really good professional acting programs in the country. And then I did uh, repertory theater for five years, uh, well, four and a half years. I was in at, at the Long Wharf in New Haven, at the Milwaukee Repertory Company, and then at Arena Stage where I met Jill. And after the second year there, we moved to New York and worked theater in New York. Uh, you know, the way to become an actor is to act, you know, anywhere and uh, and just get your, your chops you okay. know, in hand. What about performing during the strike? I mean, is that allowed? I I'm, I don't know what yeah, the rules are. They're not. Nobody's striking against the theaters. They're striking against the the movie companies and the streaming companies. So um, actors are allowed to work in the theater. What about what about the requirements of of a play? 
doesn't it have to have something at the close of the first act curtain? I mean, I always told was well, told that's it traditional. has. You 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 want them if 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 you have if you have a play that has an intermission or two, you definitely want to have something at the end of the act that gets them back. Otherwise, they just leave. You know, <laughs> so you have to grab their their uh, you know get get them interested, get them curious as to what's happening. This play happens without an my my play is without an intermission, so we don't let them out until it's done. How has show business changed? For me, it used it, it's all nostalgia. It's all shoot 'em up. It's all unhappy things. There's no happiness anywhere in any project that's coming through. Yours is a heavy duty story as well. No, no, it's 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 pretty much a laugh riot. It's there are serious things in the play, uh, for for sure. But um, there, there are a lot of laughs in my play. People were very happy at the end at the end of the play they didn't they didn't want it to end because they got very involved in the relationship between these two guys okay i want to thank you for coming on with me michael tucker and i'm going to come and see your play tell me the name I of it would, it's called a tailor near me and it's at the new jersey repertory company in long branch new jersey and if you just let me know when you're coming, and I will get you your tickets and, and everything else. I'd love you to see it. Will you buy dinner as well? I'll buy you dinner. Oh, Absolutely. in that case, I'm coming. Okay. Right. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, Michael. It's, it's good to hear your voice. Okay. Bye, honey. Bye-bye. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.